Everybody and happy holidays, happy late Christmas, happy early New Year. It's Every Horror Movie on Netflix, that show where we watch, review, and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. I'm Patrick, and I'm back again with my buddies, Chris. It's my birthday! It's your birthday! Happy birthday! And Stephen. Happy birthday, Chris. <laughs> I get the attention. <laughs> Yeah, Chris, what is it like to have your birthday on New Year's Eve? Like, do you feel like you get short drifted all the time? Oh, man, there's it's everyone's like, oh, that's so cool. There's pros and cons, mostly cons. Um, mm-hmm. Some of your relatives will, will combine birthday and Christmas presents. Mm-hmm. Um, you go to the bar and you're like, it's my birthday. And the bartender's like, I don't have time to worry about that right now. <laughs> um, everyone else has plans on New Year's Eve, so doing anything with people on your actual birthday is hard, because they're like, oh, we've had tickets to the Champagne Room since August. Happy birthday, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I've done that to you once or twice. Probably. Yeah. The Champagne Room. Is there, is there sex in the Champagne Room? I've never <laughs> been invited, so I don't know. <laughs> okay, just wondering. The question's been on my mind for years. Yeah. <laughs> Well, boys, we're here today for uh, a tradition that has become, dare I say, hallowed at Amon. It's our annual year-end wrap episode where we reflect on uh, the highlights, the lowlights of our horror experience for the past year. We've done this for the past, what, two or three years now, I think. And it's always a blast, right? Yeah, it's always great. We we crack open some old Lang sign. We... we- <laughs> Spend some time thinking about uh, the the most recent year-long leg of our horrifying journey into every horror movie on Netflix. We talk about pop culture outside of Netflix. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. It's always a good time. Yeah. We give out, we're going to give out today five different awards. We're going to name our favorite movie that we've watched for the podcast this year, our least favorite movie we watched for the podcast this year, the best new horror film that came out that we saw this year. Uh, so that could be an N film or it could be some other horror film we saw. We're going to name our best horror discovery as far as like any kind of horror media, any horror thing that we discovered and loved this year. But most importantly, we're going to hand out the Spirit of Jay Award for the character in a movie that we watched for the podcast this year who most exemplified the spirit of our dear favorite character from 1920 London, Fear Strikes Again, Jay. We're going to kind of probably give you a little recap later in the podcast about who Jay is in case you don't know. But that's what we're up to today. If you don't know who Jay is, you've had a whole pandemic to listen to every goddamn episode (laughs) of this podcast. You're doing life wrong, buddy. (laughs) Well, regardless, even for those who are doing life so drastically wrong, we're still going to give you a little recap later in the show. But before we get into the awards, um, I'm just kind of curious how you guys would reflect on our past year of Amon, because as I was looking back on it, I was like, this has been a, a solid ass year. We watched some classics. I actually had a difficult time picking my favorite movie. I, I feel like we had a, a pretty damn solid year of watching every horror movie on Netflix. I feel similarly. I mean, I think the lows were, you know, down there with the lowest of Amon lows over the past however many years we've been doing this, but the highs were, um, uh, I, I felt a lot of joy reflecting on this, I'll say that. We watched a lot of stuff that is sort of outside of our usual purview, or what we normally get or got when we were going A to Z through the alphabet. We watched a lot of um, Stone Cold classics, a couple of franchises, some more recent critically acclaimed films that at least I hadn't seen for whatever reason. Uh, it's been an interesting year, for sure. Yeah, looking at the list, to be honest, I would have to characterize Amon this year for me as being somewhat um, absent-minded, I guess. I had a lot going on this year. I was running for office, actually, so, you know, I was very distracted for most of the year. Um, I missed a couple episodes, uh, largely because of that. And, you know, so a lot of the stuff I remember watching, but man, just a lot of the stuff didn't stick in my brain as long as 
uh, the movies from previous years. And also on top of that, you know, just the, the craziness that's been this year and all the stuff that's been going on, you know, lots of distractions this year. Man, it was, it's been weird for me. I've been, uh, my memory gets worse with every year. And so as I was preparing for this episode, I was listening back to a few old episodes to quite frankly, remind myself what some of these movies even were, because I had forgotten. Um, and it was very weird listening back and like, our, our first couple episodes of the year being able to hear us in the same room as each other. Right. <laughs> and that, and then when we were on that like shitty Zencaster platform where we all sounded like shit for the first few episodes of the pandemic, when we were still trying to figure out the remote recording situation, I don't know. It was just a weird kind of time capsule of a time that's still so recent, but uh, I don't know. That was a strange and slightly traumatic journey to relive that. But it's okay. This is the last day of 2020. The <laughs> the calendar's going to change to 2021 and everything's going to be great. Right? Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> everything's going to change January 1st. <laughs> every every uh, horror movie on Netflix is now going to be a Criterion film. Well, I, I wanted to kind of jump on what you were, you were just saying, Patrick, about, you know, doing this remotely. And, and I think this year, more than ever, I've listened back to episodes more often. And it's really kind of jarring, the transition that, you know, many people around the world have had to uh, endure of trying to figure out how to do things remotely. But it's interesting, too, to hear kind of our, our ener- energy levels ebb and flow episode to episode based yeah. on what was going on in the world, what was going on in our personal lives. I know, like, I can I can hear a dip where I sound much more depressed and unenthused than usual. Um, and that's been kind of a really, I think, healthy way for me to reflect on just this year in general. The fact that we have these podcasts as sort of like, podcast episodes as sort of like mile markers throughout this really crazy year it's the little metronome for our life yeah when i was listening back it was funny i think maybe i I feel like it was not the first episode after like the stay home order came down here in michigan but the second one oh my god we all sounded like somebody had just dragged us out of bed or out of a coffin or something it was like yeah i i remember that time i know how that i remember how that felt (laughs) you know yeah, and, for, and listeners might not know that, you know, back in the before times, like, not only would we get together in a room to record the show, but, you know, we would have a drink or two beforehand. We usually had an activity planned afterward. And, um, yeah, it's just been kind of interesting to hear how this dynamic has changed now that we just literally cannot spend that physical time with each other surrounding recording the show. Yeah, and the weird thing is, and I mean, this may be like all too inside baseball and not even stuff that needs to make it into the show. But the weird thing is, is that I'm so accustomed to this model of doing it remotely now. I'm I'm almost like, why? Why are we all going to like drive and like set up our equipment when we could just like sit down in our bedrooms and do this for the rest of the foreseeable future? (laughs) You know, I mean, we can hang out whenever we want post-covid but like when we need to record one of these why not just do it like this you know i i feel like it's almost permanently reshaped the way i think about doing this there's definitely pros and cons to doing it this way i mean it's certainly much uh, easier less of a pain in the ass um you know those marathon sessions where we would record an episode or two episodes sometimes and then like mm-hmm. set up the equipment tear down the equipment try to go to the bar and muster up enthusiasm to to do anything else uh kind of difficult but on the other hand there's there's very there's less incentive for me to like wake up before i do the show now <laughs> <laughs> it's like i took a shower today i i kind of got dressed today uh didn't shave uh, but it's like if i actually had were seeing people and like going out i would uh i would i put a little more spring in my step and that would probably make for a better show well a phrase chris well, likes to use is is um a crawling to the finish line <laughs> like sacks of shit <laughs> you know sometimes over the course of these episodes we just become uh, a little bit drunk and usually exhausted with talking about the movie for so long but i feel like because of the pandemic and again like chris i can just roll out of bed and everything's right here and set up like i'm I, I'm going across the starting line like a sack of shit a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, let's delve into the meat of this whole experience and start handing out some awards. I think we should start with, uh, you know, start with the good stuff. Start with something exciting. Do y'all want to hand out your awards for the best Amon movie of 2020? Oh, yes. Absolutely. 
All right, who wants to go first? Chris, you both had very enthusiastic responses, but Chris came in first. So how about Chris goes first? Yeah. Um, so the f- best movie I watched for Amon this year was a movie that I had not seen before, uh, mm. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh-huh. Yeah, mm. I had never really had a reason to watch it um, and until we did the episode on it. And yeah, it uh, was not what I was expecting, and I would say lives up to the hype. And so I feel like a better horror fan having seen it, uh, and I would recommend it to people in the future. Chris, oh my gosh, you're one step closer to becoming a Toby Hooper super fan like me. (laughs) In a matter of months, you're going to have a Funhouse t-shirt like I'm wearing right now. (laughs) Very happy to hear that that's your favorite of the year. That's awesome. Yeah. God bless. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad we got to watch that this year. Steven, what's your pick for best Amon movie of the year? So, my pick is Green Room, which is a movie I had been aware of for a long Whoa. time before. I somehow had not seen it, even though I like Jeremy Selnier's films, um, the other two that I had seen. Um, it was a really deeply unpleasant experience, but sometimes that's what I'm looking for in horror. I have to say, that movie, I watched it right before we recorded, and um, that was early in the days, I think back in mid-March, maybe, at the beginning of this pandemic. That was pandemic. early quarantine, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, I was super depressed and on edge and anxious more so than usual, and I watched this movie on a rainy, kind of Pacific Northwesterny looking day right before we recorded the episode, and... I was on the edge of a panic attack almost the whole time, and that movie has stuck with me ever since. There are moments like Anton Yelchin getting his arm ripped to shreds outside the door Ugh. that I will just never be able to shake. Um, it's not a film I think I would ever watch again. It's a hard movie to recommend, but as far as, I guess I'm choosing it as my favorite Amon movie of the year because I think it had the biggest impact on me of anything that we've seen, and I think it speaks the most to how I was feeling during this weird pandemic year. I love that. I also feel some degree of relief because I remember feeling bad because, you know, as you just stated, that movie took a toll on you and you definitely expressed it in the episode. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, oh, shit, I ruined Steven's life. I ruined Steven's <laughs> early stay home order. But I'm glad that in the long run it had a... A, it left a positive impression. You know, it's it's. I, I, I the last thing I want to add about add to this is actually it was kind of like affirming as well for me as a horror fan because I feel like I can't get shaken like that anymore. You know, I'm constantly mm. searching for the next high, the next movie that's actually going to make me feel um, threatened or frightened. And I I was feeling pretty jaded going into that movie, and it 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 reawoke something in me. So I think mm. that's kind of beautiful. Uh, even though I did go through hell for a couple of days. Trying to recover from it mm. now you're talking about uh amon movie that you had not seen before right because because uh we also watched poltergeist texas chainsaw massacre y- right yeah there's those... lots of great we've watched a lot of great movies a lot of kind of legacy horror classics but i wanted to pick something that i saw fresh for amon yeah that was kind of my thinking uh, as well but to be clear the the award the rules are it can be Best Amon movie. That's the only stipulation you can interpret it right. however you want. Yeah, we don't have Which, any, we don't have any rules or bylaws for this thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> Which I definitely took some liberties with for my pick for best Amon movie because like we watched so many amazing movies this year we watched texas chainsaw we watched poltergeist which are both incredible movies that i love the golem was incredible nong knock was incredible the devil's advocate were like all on my shirt list i loved them all but uh my pick for best amon movie of the year is a movie that for me sort of uh exemplified the experience the ideal experience that i think we should be having with this whole adventure uh and that pick is would you rather would you rather is the just quintessential like we all went into it i think with pretty low expectations sure steven picked it essentially randomly because it was the last uh title in the alphabet that was on uh netflix and we were all like okay that looks sort of interesting and uh not only did the movie itself kind of exceed my expectations but as i talked about it with you guys in the episode i was like all right, this left me with a lot to chew on, and I enjoyed it even more as we discussed it. So while obviously Texas Chainsaw and Poltergeist are better movies that I will probably revisit more often than Would You Rather, that was just like the ideal Amon movie to me as far as just like genuinely surprising me and giving me an experience that was delightful and thought-provoking and horrifying and an experience that I probably would never have had if not for 
this adventure. So I appreciate your um, the sort of ethos in your pick there, Patrick, because I I felt similarly about that movie, which is uh, it's proof that there are still diamonds in the rough in the Netflix horror category. I I I I lose sight of that sometimes because we do go for long stretches where we watch just complete bullshit, (laughs) And, and that was that was a welcome surprise again, just chosen purely at random. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. I, I thought of uh, picking "Would You Rather" actually too, uh, mm. for the, for the reasons that you mentioned, because it's it is really the the archetypical Amon movie. It's the reason why we do this show, even though we we don't realize it very often. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, of movies that maybe give us less reason to want to do this show, I feel like we should get into our worst Amon movies of the year. Uh, Steven, do you want to lead off on this one since Chris did the last one? Yeah, I'm really curious to hear if either of you picked the same movie. Um, I'd prefer if you did, if you take the path of just playing along and then announcing it as your pick, and then we can just talk about it all over again. (laughs) I think it'd be very funny, but mine was The Haunting of Molly Hartley. Uh, primarily because uh, I'd completely forgotten about this movie. Of course, I would have seen it looking back over the list, but when we were having preliminary discussions about this episode, I think, Patrick, you texted us like, what the fuck was haunting (laughs) Valley Hartley? And I I struggled. The only detail I could remember was that there is a weird baptism scene in a church (laughs) that has a small waiting pool, like, behind the altar. That's all I remember about this movie. Except, as time has uh, time has gone on. It's been a couple of weeks since that discussion. The only other thing I remember is how fucking pissed off the lead actress's performance made me watching that movie. It's just one <laughs> of the most dead-eyed, wooden, lifeless performances I've ever seen. Would you would you rank it more or less dead-eyed, lifeless, and wooden than Brahms, the boy in The Boy? Oh, more. More all of those. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. She, was, right. she was terrible. I, I think uh, Keith Phipps writing for the AV Club, I remember, I remember at the time we watched that movie, I looked up a review, and he described her as a super waif, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that movie. I gave it a cue it, though. I remember it not being that bad. Holy shit. <laughs> Shit, I am fascinated by this phenomenon that apparently none of us really remembered this movie because I, I tend to think that's just me because my memory is legitimately terrible. And I was like, I, I, I felt really bad about that movie and several others we watched this year where I was just like, what was that movie? I listened to the whole Molly Hartley episode to try and refresh my memory and succeeded only marginally you know sometimes i think that is a a valid function of our podcast (laughs) like it like um i know we do get too bogged down in the plot sometimes but that's the kind of movie where that's what you need out of a podcast episode just like that's the kind of thing that just goes in one ear and out the other how how did you feel listening back to that episode patrick did you feel like it was a, a satisfactory recap um <laughs> I mean it jogged my memory a little bit. It jogged my memory a little bit. <laughs> it's probably um, the best we can do with the material. <laughs> the main the main highlight was the the church architecture. We talked about church architecture a lot. Oh, that's right. And <laughs> and and our friend uh Dan, also a, an avid listener of the show, did confirm for me that there are churches that have pools behind the altar for baptism. <laughs> yeah, yeah so. that's a thing because I saw a house for sale uh somewhere in the country. And it was like a labyrinthine house that was like being used by people to like store inventory for like their eBay store. Oh, Chris, or something. I did the whole walkthrough. That you was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that was an old church. It was a converted church. And the bathroom, uh-huh. what is now the bathroom, was the little baptismal pool area behind the altar. Hmm. Really wild. So, yeah, it's real. Well, this is a this is a good segue because um, <laughs> one of the things that I learned from listening back to that episode was that I not only gave that movie a screw it, but also made the bold claim that I thought it might have been the worst movie we had watched for Amon in general, which stunned me. I was like, I, I, I didn't remember enjoying the movie, but I didn't remember hating it that much. So, I mean... 
I feel like my worst of the year should be that, but I just don't remember. So because I'm senile, my pick for worst Damon movie of 2020 is Hubie Halloween. You know what? Chris always says, first time you watch a movie is a flirt. Second time you watch a movie is a date. I watched Hubie Halloween twice. <laughs> you sure, poor the first, fucker. <laughs> the first, sure, was a flirt. The second was a hate. You you just think you're you just won't let it happen. You just gotta let it happen. I you know what I was in. You're watching it. You're like I'm too smart for this movie. I, I don't enjoy having, this movie. <laughs> no, no. I was having some beverages the first time I watched it. I was in a state to enjoy it. Oh, I and was I flanked. was cackling with laughter most of right. the time I was too. Next by, to you, <laughs> I was flanked by Stephen and Allison, who were both enjoying it at least for the first half hour or so. And I was just like, this is this is the dumbest fucking thing i've ever seen it yes (laughs) it's terrible it's a piece of garbage i'm so upset that i've spent three hours of my life on it now or four hours or however long it was you're still spending your time on it actually by discussing it right now it's haunting you and this is the final 10 seconds i'm spending on it i'm done i'm done with you hubie i forsake you chris tell us what your worst amon movie of the year was all right well i'm gonna play a deep cut Oh, boy. You know, we watched every Final Destination movie for this show. Oh, wow. (laughs) And I think the worst movie I watched this year for Amon is The Final Destination. Final Destination 4. That's a fucking bad one. racetrack movie theater one. Yeah. Oh, dear God. That was a low point of the year for me. I thought about it for a minute when I was coming up with my pick. Is that the one with the tanning bed scene? No. Hell no. That's Final Destination 3. The good one. Yeah, that's the roller coaster one. Now, yeah. What's what's in the final destination? The final destination. Is that the bridge one? No, that's fi- that's final destination five. Final okay. de- the final destination is the one that starts with NASCAR. Has oh, the God, has yeah. the gratuitous racist tow truck driver. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Has the like uh, the bathtub falling through the floor. Has the movie theater yeah. that explodes at the end. Yeah. Oh my God, it's horrible. Yeah, that was the it's- one that was. I think that I so I thought three came out in 3D, but it didn't. And then four actually was the first 3D entry in the franchise, right? And they yeah. tried to like maximize the 3D potential with like a Sci-Fi Channel original movies budget. <laughs> it was just yeah. so ugly and awful to look at. And I'm objectively correct because that's the only <laughs> movie that got three screw-its from us or, or the, i should say universal of the of the franchise you mean yeah universal no of, of every movie we've watched this year for oh wow the universal screw it's on that movie only that's wild i can't believe we haven't aligned on three screw it's for any other movie yeah so damn but that was yeah not good <clears throat> yeah i really I, I i worked hard to shoehorn final destination into my awards this year because my memories of that experience are great. I had fun watching those movies. I had fun talking about them. But yeah, spoiler alert, couldn't find any awards for them this year. I'd like now. to mention a, a kind of runner-up for, for worst movie. And <laughs> I I would be amazed. I mean, Chris, you've got the website open, so you can tell us how we rated this. Uh, Death House. Ah, yes. Mm. A, a Death House is up there one. with one of the most punishing film watching experiences i've ever had in my life i mean that thing didn't have a plot to speak of it felt like it was held together with with duct tape and gum awful just awful that was Um, a shit show it was at least a memorable shit show though all i remember is fucking the the actor from hills have eyes whose name i'm forgetting right now for some reason michael berryman michael berryman i remember him wearing his like um like video game spacesuit sort of thing with the light up uh, oh, shape yeah. on the front of it, and and, to- <laughs> and and Tony Todd at the end. Yes, that's In all. Complete, yeah. that is and all the beginning. Yeah, completely unrelated framing sequences. Well, we're still um, apparently getting a sequel, which will oh. hopefully explain the the mythos of Tony Todd's character because oh, that's God, what I we all really wait. want. That would have got four screw-its, except I was the fly in the ointment. I gave it a cue-it, because it was just so bizarrely constructed and such a unique experience that I, I 
I got something out of just watching how broken it was in such a bizarre way I never encountered before. Respect. You know, I wonder, this is the, I, I do want to add one more thing to this, this bad Amon movie experience before we move on, but you know, I'm a fan of kind of gonzo, bad, rediscovered cult movies. They're hit or miss, but I feel like I have more fun if I'm going in knowing that, like, a large group of nerds have loved this movie and championed it for so long that it builds up a reputation, and then, then a company actually has to go to work to, like, restore it and put it out somewhere on Blu-ray or on VOD or whatever. Sometimes I wonder if some of these movies that we we do on Netflix will achieve that status in in like the next 10 years like i could see death house being like a future cult classic that people will have much more fun with because they're going in knowing kind of what it is and what to expect from it yeah yeah eh. oh i could see that. And that yeah and that plays into my theory that i outline probably too often about how like so many of these movies that we think are shitty now are probably going to get the like cult like horror re-release in another couple of decades and everybody's going to treat it as a lost classic when we know that it actually sucks but <laughs> we can be on the special features of the blu-ray as because oh, we, we were could. there we were there at the beginning at ground yeah. zero for death <laughs> no, house baby <laughs> i think that there are movies that will achieve cult status in the future maybe a movie like you know girl on the third floor or something like that i i can see how in a life as a as a cult movie death house specifically i think tried so hard to be a cult movie that it doesn't work you can't you can't be like oh guess what we're gonna cast all these cult horror actors and have a built-in audience there that i don't know it's insincere to me it is a bit insincere but i can still see in 20 years that having some kind of a following but i think a lot of cult followings are insincere frankly controversial horror opinion but i think people often like a movie because they want to fit in with a community rather than whether it's a good movie Mm. Yeah. Well, our definitions yeah. of a good movie—we don't need to get into the dial code Santa Claus slash yeah, uh, what I'm Deadly Games <laughs> discussion here. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, let's get back to uh, movies that we did like. Uh, let's talk about our best new horror movie that we saw this year. So again, that could include a Netflix film that we saw this year that came out in 2020, but also this kind of opens up the playing field to include any movie, any horror movie that was released this year that we loved. And I feel like I want to call on Steven here because I know you've got, you've got a list, man. It's kind of crazy. Like thinking back on this year, it seems like, you know, everything was at a standstill, including the entertainment industry and really a lot of stuff came out and a lot of it was quite good um you know of course these were mostly films that uh that had a planned theatrical release a couple of them on my list were theatrical releases like right before covid but they got like pulled from theaters two weeks in or whatever i'm thinking of like the invisible man and underwater which i loved underwater i don't know if you guys have have rented that yet but it's it's pretty Mm -hmm. fun um, but really, like a lot of a lot of really good stuff came out, and it kind of surprised me. So I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna tell you my pick in a minute. I'm gonna run down this list of 14 other movies, and I'm not gonna describe them. <laughs> I'm not gonna describe them at all. But these are movies that I really enjoyed this year. That oh are- wait, are you not exaggerating? You're actually gonna give us 14 movies. Yeah, I'm going to give you a list of 14 <laughs> movies, and all right, uh, I I highly recommend them all. A couple of them are horror adjacent, but it just amazes me that like I can't think of like a, a normal year without a pandemic where I have that many movies to draw from to make like even a top five out of. So wait, do you do you have a favorite? I do have a favorite. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's given us the fourteen. He's given us the top fifteen. Right, he's okay. gonna list. He's gonna list fourteen, and then he's gonna talk up the the number one. Right? Uh, okay. Okay. Barack Obama. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm doing exactly what you told me not to do, Chris. So okay, movies I really enjoyed this year that are all still available on on streaming. So Relic, Underwater, which I already mentioned, His House, Scare Me, which I know you saw as well, Chris. VFW, Come to Daddy. The Devil All the Time. I'm thinking of ending things, which is hardly horror, but the book is. Uh, porno, which I just saw recently on Shutter. Lose, a German film that really came out two years ago, but didn't hit streaming in the U.S. until this year. 
uh, Blood and Flesh, The Real Life and Ghastly Death of Al Adamson, amazing documentary on Shudder that involves uh, UFOs, of all things, in addition to horror history. Daniel Isn't Real. Scream Queen, which I forgot technically came out this year, the documentary about Mark Patton. Oh, did it? Yeah. Oh, wow. And uh, Spiral, another Shudder pick. But From the uh, Book of Saw? Not that one. <laughs> I guess there were two spirals this year. I should have clarified. No, this is the this is the kind of queer folk horror movie that came out. I know your favorite genre, well, Chris. There, there were three spirals. There was also our collective spiral into madness. But <laughs> please continue. I, I, at the risk of sounding basic, though, uh, the 15th film, my favorite of the year, was The Invisible Man. Okay. Just an incredible piece of work. It was the last movie I saw in theaters, you know, right before lockdown. I think that was only out for two weeks. And then it, then there was the whole controversy about people having to pay $20 to rent it at home, um, which is ridiculous uh, that they would, that anyone would complain about that for, for a new feature. Um, and I've seen it, I think three times now. I know I watched it once with you, Patrick and, and a crew and it, and it just, it, I still, the tension still held up even on a third viewing. It's a really, really masterful film. A really at the time, t- it was the timeliest possible horror concept you could imagine, you know, before the coronavirus took over, you know, it was a very much a, a kind of, a kind of me too sort of film. And it's really stuck with me. It's one that I think I will revisit again. It has me a little bit hopeful that universal can maybe actually revive some of the other classic monsters in, in just as uh, appealing and fresh a way as that film. So the invisible man, my, my favorite modern contemporary horror film of 2020 Chris, what you got? Uh, you know, I hate to sound basic as well. It feels like a really basic pick, but yeah, The Invisible Man. I gotta go with The Invisible Man, and and a lot of it is because I didn't watch a lot of uh, stuff this year for for reasons I've already articulated. I heard a lot of good buzz about a lot of stuff that came out on VOD that I really meant to check out and maybe will now that I have more time. Um, but yeah, I, I was one of those who paid the $20 to watch in the invisible man on, on VOD. The first time I since bought the Blu-ray, I've watched it at least once since then. Nice. Um, and it's great. You know, it's, it's, there's something really elegant about the invisible man where, you know, it's, it's not trying too hard to be ambitious. It's just a small budget, really well executed, uh, movie that, that brings the spooks, uh, riffs on a familiar concept manages to be about something without taking away from the entertainment. Sure. And yeah, it gives me a lot of optimism for the future of the universal franchise and our new Australian film master, uh, Lee Winnell. He's Australian. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Patrick, what do you got? Well, so I had sort of the inverse experience that Steven did this year, as far as, partaking in new movies so much was dropped online and weirdly i didn't watch a lot of it and not even just in the horror sphere but i still haven't seen tenant i still haven't seen the five bloods i still haven't seen i don't know a lot of notable movies that have come out online this year and it it just is is puzzling to me because i'm one of those people who goes and sees whatever is like a big deal at the theater. Usually the weekend it comes out and all this stuff was at my fucking fingertips. And I don't know, I was preoccupied with shows and older movies and I don't know, it was a strange phenomenon. So essentially I think there were only three movies that I saw that came out in 2020 that at least are in the running for me. Invisible Man is certainly one of them. Loved it. Um, but I guess I'm going to kind of give this in some sort of weird tie to Hair Wolf, which I called out on the show, uh, I don't know, a few months ago. An awesome uh, short set in a black barbershop where mm. uh, zombie-like white people start trying to invade the barbershop. Fucking loved that shit. It was funny. It was spooky. It was colorful like really interestingly shot and had some uh well a lot not just some uh political subtext text to it but uh i'm gonna split that with i'm thinking of ending things uh which it's not a perfect film it's flawed but god damn is it wild and adventurous and a really ambitious attempt to adapt a 
very idiosyncratic and difficult book, which I also enjoyed. As Stephen said, maybe it's not quite horror. It certainly is horrifying at sure, various yeah. points. And uh, man, it was an experience for sure. So again, not necessarily the most competitive <laughs> race <laughs> for me this year, but uh, that's what I got. Well, I think I think I'm thinking of ending things is up there in a lot of people's, a lot of film critics' top ten lists of just films in general. It's not really showing up on horror lists. Mm. But I agree with you, Patrick. I mean, the novel is is pretty straightforward. It's a pretty lean thriller. Yeah, there's some twists and turns, but there's a logic to it. And Charlie Kaufman, doing his Charlie Kaufman thing, just unpacks mm. almost every sentence of that book and breaks it open into a world of very strange filmic and genre possibilities. Um, and I enjoyed the exercise. I thought it was a really wild take on a novel that I really love that I read just only read this year anticipating the film, but not a film that I know that I would ever watch again. I also found it interesting that he finds a lot more feminist subtext in the story and manages to give that lead character a lot more agency. That was mm. just even outside of the political considerations of it. I just thought it was an interesting exercise narratively. Uh, and, and, and it's so difficult that we don't need to get into it right now, but also it's just so difficult to discuss it any more deeply without spoiling elements of it. But, uh, he, he really does some interesting things with it narratively besides the, besides the flashy, uh, additions that he makes. Well, we did set the precedent when this first came out that we are not allowed to talk about this movie at length on the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. So let's <laughs> let's consign it to the general uh, ash heap of 2020 and move on to our best horror discovery of this year. I think if if you all will allow it, I will go first on this one. Sure, go for it. I my my best word discovery of this year was the car Road to Revenge. And this is another what? example of sort of that Amon effect for me because if anyone listened to our episode about the car Road to Revenge, you'll know I l- watched the movie one and a half to two times and did not enjoy it and right. was not highly engaged in that conversation and was perhaps most negative of anybody. But also, again, if you've been listening this year, you'll know that the director of the film, G.J. Camp, reached out to us. He very openly admitted to getting drunk one night, Googling his own movie, listening to our podcast, yeah. being kind of pissed at our uh, kind of unforgiving take on it. But then he also said, hey... I want to tell you my side of the story. And we had an amazing conversation with him that was, to me, extremely illuminating, not just as far as what happened with this specific movie, but illuminating as far as the movie business in general and how some of these movies that we love to, at times, deride wind up getting made. Um, It was just a great exercise in empathy for me that made me appreciate this guy who I talked shit about for an hour so much more and made me appreciate the, yes, extremely flawed movie that he made a lot more. There's lots of things that I discovered this year that I enjoyed a lot. There were things on my short list. Dragula kind of saved my life at a certain part in the, a certain point in the pandemic. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I I'm so glad that we happened upon this movie and even in a way glad that we talked some shit about it and that the director showed up to kind of set us straight on some things. It was a great and very educational, humbling experience. I love that pick and I have very fond memories right now of I had like a week in my life where G.J. Camp was really kind of at the, at the center of my, my daily comings and goings. I was, you know, mm. preparing for that interview with him um, where I didn't end up saying a lot, but I ended up watching uh, his, uh, God, and I can't think of the title right now. It's on Netflix, though. His documentary about coming back home after college with his family, which was yes. fucking fascinating. And then after the interview with him, you know, I think literally the next day I watched his own fictionalized version of that story as well, which I think Frank is and still Cindy. Netflix. Frank and Cindy, yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, both amazing films. And again, like, I just enjoyed spending kind of, you know, three or four days in, in the world of this guy who would otherwise just be somebody with four IMDb credits who made a terrible movie. You know, yeah. I think I thought it was so awesome that he reached out to us. He was so cool. He, I feel like I learned a lot about 
not just the film industry, but the streaming business as well from speaking with him that made me perhaps more kind to, to some other films that we've reviewed on Netflix since speaking with him. So, yeah, I, I think it, you know, it's another thing that kind of exemplifies the point of what we're doing here in general, because like, what are we doing here? We're, we're, everybody has Netflix. People who like horror movies watch horror movies on Netflix sometimes. And I, I think, you know, there's this certain amount of mystery about how does this shit wind up out there? Oh, this stuff all sucks. But like, I, I like that we're learning about how it winds up there, why it winds up yeah. there, why these movies were made, how they're made, and, you know, developing some kind of empathy for that process other than, you know, just looking at it as another shovel on the the dung heap of the netflix content pile you know there's there are people making these movies who were yeah. trying to do their best and trying to do something fun and maybe it got fucked over one way or the other and you know we we all owe them some more empathy god damn it i would love to see gj's the car road to revenge because the way he described it sounded amazing release the acting camp cut damn it <laughs> Yes, yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know, uh, that's why for as much shit talking as we do, you know, I think it's rare that we screw a movie with prejudice, really. Like, you know, Mm. when we say that movie is a that movie was made by bad people and it shouldn't exist. (laughs) Right. There's been a couple of those for me, for sure. But, um, you know, for the most part. The, the bad movies are movies where, you know, God bless everyone involved, but not, not this time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Chris, what was your horror discovery of 2020? Uh, you know, it's pretty thin. I didn't discover a whole lot. So I, I'm, I'm going to bend the rules a little bit. Um, the short answer to the question is I'll, I'll plug Resident Evil 2 again, the video game, <laughs> the remake. Would... Oh, Yes. Uh, I, I, I spoke about that last episode, uh, for a little bit. Good, good fun game. Good romp really immersed me for, you know, 10 hours or however long it took me to finish the main, uh, campaign. Good spooky game. For a minute, I thought you were saying your horror discovery was Resident Evil Afterlife because I listened back to our episode on that, <laughs> yes. and I got really excited for a minute. Well, well, actually, um, I, I would I would include that as well. Resident yes. Evil Two, the film, which I watched uh, as prep work for our Resident Evil Apocalypse, uh, Resident Evil Apocalypse episode. Um, no, no wait, Afterlife which one was watch? the one we watched. We watched Afterlife, though. Good yeah. one is Apocalypse, which is the second in the series. Y'all should watch that. It was, it was uh, highly, highly entertaining as an action movie. Not going to happen. What? <laughs> I want to. I still... It sounds cool. Yeah, check it out. Um, but I'm also going to plug something that I don't think I've talked about on this show yet, which I think I actually discovered last year, but... Uh, it technically came out this year, so we could call it a 2020 Discovery. This video game called Dreams, which both of you are familiar with. Yeah. It's kind of the successor to Little Big Planet, if you're familiar with that. Basically, mm-hmm. the premise is the players are in control of building their own games, 3D games, whatever. And you go online through your PlayStation and you browse the creations of thousands and thousands of people who are playing this game around the world. And I was trying to use it to make like a horror game that didn't work. It didn't work out for me, but you can go on there and like search horror and like, just see all these like really primitive horror games just created by ordinary people in their basements. And they're really primitive sometimes, but it's just really kind of fun. It's kind of like a, like a, like a poetry slam or something about (laughs) horror done through the medium of video games. And I've had a lot of fun just like pulling up a random level and being like, Oh wow, cool. They have me like, you know, waking up to a bump in the night in the house and i gotta go downstairs and like oh no the tv just turned on and you know sometimes it's a it's a good execution sometimes it's not but it's always delightful to see the weird stuff that uh people come up with in this game and sometimes like intensely personal stuff steven do you remember that level we played patrick were you there too i don't know um that level where it was like the museum of pain yes (laughs) oh my god yes holy shit (laughs) 
Yeah, that sounds this, amazing. Or, or the Museum of Sorrow or something like that. This guy had just like he was taking submission ideas from the internet and basically making statues around these ideas and these different definitions of pain and sorrow and like you would walk through and you would listen to his voiceover like explaining all of them and it was like really kind of it was like a this guy's therapy just all in the open i was worried Um, about him yeah (laughs) i I wish he'd like dropped his phone number in the description somewhere so i could give him a call and check in maybe recommend a therapist but yeah that was pretty pretty wild i don't think i've ever seen anything like that before that's that's it that's what you get on dreams stuff you've never seen anything like before and um i spend a lot of time searching for 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 horror themes and uh always an interesting time and you know it's like five minutes ten minutes to play one of these things do you have to buy dreams or or yes can, is there a way to browse it okay you have to own it okay got it all right steven what was your horror discovery of 2020 you know again this was a, a topic that i kind of struggled with um the more I, initially i was like I, I don't have one and then the more i thought about how i've spent my time over this past year especially just early on kind of like comfort buying stuff on the internet just to have it and, and experience it at some point while I'm stuck in my apartment. But there, there was a lot, but I'll, I'll will it down to two things. One is the movie possession, the Andre Zulovsky film. Mm. He's a Polish director. I think is his only English language movie is there Sam Neill. It's, you know, it, it kind of plays like he's Polish, but it plays like a French art version of art film version of like, a David Cronenberg movie. And it's it's a movie that is just unlike anything else I have ever seen or that you will probably ever see. I don't know that it's good, but it is consistently entertaining, thought-provoking, harrowing. I mean, it's about the disillusion of a marriage and the the wife uh, is fucking an alien oh. in this, like, seedy, <laughs> nasty, sort of last tango in Paris looking flat, uh, wild, wild movie with incredible creature effects that you will never be able to scrape from your brain, done by Carlo Rimbaldi, who designed E.T. So he went from cute alien to evil alien pretty quick for this one. The other one is a podcast. I want to give a shout out. I've been meaning to for the last couple episodes to the Horror Queers podcast on the Bloody Disgusting Network. Two two fabulous gay men talking about horror through a queer lens. Uh, they they pick some pretty off the beaten path films sometimes, and I think they're I think they're both really smart, really funny folks who have enjoyed listening to these last couple of months. And there's a lot of talk about come on that podcast. I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if that's the main draw for me or not, but they're very frank about their their feelings about come. Hmm. So so that's horror you- queers. <laughs> I, I was known for talking about cum a lot on this podcast at a certain point. Probably twice as much as actually made it through the edit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the thing I appreciate about their show is they hold nothing back. There are episodes, there are some kind of classic canonical episodes where one of them is like blind drunk by the end of it. And I know I've been there on this show. <laughs> and it's kind of refreshing just to hear what uh, the sense of humor that they have about just being as open and themselves as possible while discussing yeah. these movies and not worrying about embarrassing themselves too much. The the statute of limitations is up, so if you want to hear Steve get wasted and the rest of us try to pretend he's not, go listen to Booth Not. Oh yeah, dark times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember this, but I will now. I rem- that was I- like I was I was like Captain Sully just trying to land the plane <laughs> on the Hudson. <laughs> I don't know if this is possible, but I remember feeling like I was blacking out <laughs> during that episode. <laughs> Jesus, the yeah, worst I don't of it got this. cut. So like, like That's you like great. trying to trying to articulate the name of the like Panther Print trilogy or whatever. Oh, <laughs> Panther Pinjali, I can say it now. Yeah, Panther Pinjali trilogy. <laughs> you were trying to say Panther Pinjali trilogy. It was a non-starter. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> to be fair. It's hard to say sober. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well anyway all right love it definitely have to check out horror queers have been wanting to check out possession for a long time i think we're gonna have a little chris and i are gonna have a little fight over your blu-ray of that steven yeah uh, but uh let's get down to the final dare i say most important award of this show every year the spirit of jay award 
so excited. It's when we give out an award to the character in a movie we watched for Amon who most represented the spirit of Jay, the penniless shepherd demon hunter from 1920 London Fear Strikes Again, which I think was the third movie we ever watched for this podcast, maybe. Sounds about right. We're going to drop in the traditional audio of us explaining Jay for the first time so that y'all have a little context. Let's not drop it in. Let's just explain Jay. Oh, I, but that explanation is so good. We put it in the last two year-end wraps, and it's so funny. <clears throat> like it, ex- it fully explains the energy and the expi- the excitement we had about Jay. That only the two of you really share. I think at this point, <laughs> it should be noted. No, no, that's the funniest part about is that at the end you come in and you're like, oh, by the way, everything I said before when I was criticizing this movie was not about Jay. Jay's amazing. <laughs> I mean, that was like three years ago at this point. I'm, I mean, my my love to, for Jay has waned, but I love that we have an award for him he i mean he holds a special place in my heart even if i don't appreciate him in the same way i once did so are you not dropping in the audio then i don't care (laughs) whatever whatever's better you know what fuck it drop it in now and then jay shows up cut to jay in like the most badass intro shot of all time a fucking camel the silhouette of a camel walks across the screen in the foreground as jay does like this typical like american like action movie badass stride out of the fucking forest like two earrings tan suit open collar like four necklaces also we should note this is the character who is a quote-unquote penniless shepherd as we're told multiple times (laughs) i just want to chime in and say briefly that uh i wasn't complaining about jay i should have made that clear jay's amazing jay's amazing which is bizarre because in reviews from india yeah everyone shits on jay the actor who plays him like they did not like but i think i'm i don't know there's something relatable he was he's great he's just he's just a natural star he's a just he just has that like beautiful he has great charisma he's super charismatic say what you want about the the stylistic excess of Bollywood stuff but like his intro and it's like the music's going crazy and it's like slow-mo a bunch of cuts crazy zooms on him like coming into the palace like hell yeah it's like how you would walk out for WWE or something like midnight blue backdrop and he's lit in this gold light it's like a comic book it's very comic book yeah alright so that's Jay and and hopefully this has been an illuminating moment if you're one of those people who like every so often hears this music cue or here's us talk about Jay, and you're like, what the fuck are they talking about? That's what it is. Go watch 1920 London, Fear Strikes Again. You will not be disappointed, at least according to me and Chris. <laughs> and at the very least, you won't be disappointed by Jay. But anyways, uh, every year we hand out this award. Uh, it's produced some uh, <laughs> shocking reactions or shocked reactions in past years. So it's always a good time. Any volunteers who wants to go first, who most exemplified the spirit of Jay in movies we watched for this podcast in 2020. I'm still trying to decide to be honest. Steven, do you have one? I mean, I can go too. I have one. You know, it's a name that I kind of wanted to make like a word game out of this and get you guys to guess it. Uh, but I'm. I, but uh, we'll just skip right to it. I'm going to go with Clear Rivers from the Final yes. Destination franchise. Yes, dude. I was thinking about that. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, wow. I'm so excited. <laughs> That's a good pick. That's it's a good. So pick. I mean, talk good. about you know Jay was a penniless shepherd. This is like a young you know teenage girl. They both did time. She's you know, a young teenage girl <laughs> who like kind of has like left her family to go off on her own, and she's. You know, she's edgy, and she's witchy, and she's just fucking cool. I don't know. She's like, yes. she's a bright spot in that franchise, and she's one of the few characters that is uh, is featured in the first two films of the franchise before she dies a very explosive death at the end of the second film. Well, and she exemplifies the spirit of Jay to me so much because you want to see more of her. I remember being so upset because yeah. I was excited when she came back in Final Destination 2 and she's like in the voluntarily committed to the asylum where she's in a padded room and cannot possibly be touched by death or right. so she thinks. And she's just a badass. Like she's she's a decent protagonist in the first one. Then she like is next level in the second one. And then they kill her and you're like, I want more clear. I want this franchise to revolve around clear i wanted her to be the heather langenkamp of the final destination franchise like i wanted at least one more appearance from her even if it's like return of the jedi like ghost from the grave showing up at the ewok (laughs) party or something like that would have been cool i i wanted to see her return somehow but yeah i'm glad you appreciate that patrick 
games. I think. Have you Absolutely. heard the controversy of, of Final Destination being censored on Netflix? I have. I was going to send that to you guys yesterday. So apparently mm-hmm. there's a scene where a character, like, M- mimics being he, he hanged. He pantomimes hanging yeah. himself on the airplane. It's like, oh, you're going to make me do that? Uh, uh, I'm going to hang myself. And presumably it's been cut from Netflix and maybe other streaming services, but but I've, I've heard Netflix specifically called out. And that's the, character that, that's the character that dies in the bathtub, right? By yeah. hanging, yeah. Because in, in, in the first Final Destination, all the characters' deaths are foreshadowed by like visual gags that you would never catch until you watch the movie four times. I don't um, know about four times, <laughs> but yeah, apparently they thought it was in poor taste for him to be, you know, pantomiming hanging himself, kind of in the moment as a joke. So they left mm. in the gratuitous scene of him actually being hanged, which in the was shower, horrifying. But, but but they 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 cut that out. So uh, that's why we buy our Blu-rays. Wow. They'll they'll yeah. pry my Blu-rays from my cold, dead hands. Yeah, don't like that. Yeah. All right, Patrick, so you thought about Clear Rivers in preparation for this. Who did you actually pick? Who's the spirit of Jay? I, I did think about Clear Rivers. I thought about a number of characters, but I just... <laughs> when it comes down to it, the person who most exemplifies the spirit of Jay for me this year is... William Friedkin in The Devil and Father of Whoa. War. Ah, no, you I'm son trolling, of a I'm bitch. trolling. I'm trolling. I'm I bought trolling. it <laughs> wholesale. <laughs> I mean, you know what? He was he was certainly a fascinating character in that. But no, I I, I got to give it to L from Death Note, Lakeith Stanfield. Mm. As you know, mm. I stand this character so hard. I stand this performance so hard. And uh, you know, if you listen to our Death Note episode, you know that I was frustrated to a degree that Lakeith giving this honestly incredible performance was kind of trapped in this otherwise fairly mediocre movie and I don't really want a Death Note sequel but I do want to see more of Lakeith's L so that's that's the spirit of Jay for me this maybe year. they'll do something like uh, US Marshals where they have a sequel but it's not really have anything to do with the main story it's just the same supporting character doing a maybe. new thing Maybe. Wow, Patrick, we'll I can think of few characters in our journey so far that are more Jay-like than L. That's an amazing pick. It kind of blew my mind, as you. as you are wont to do with this award. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have a, a history of, of that. All right, Chris, what do you got? Well, I was unironically going to say William Friedkin. Whoa, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> the uh, but 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna change a little bit because I mean it's it's uh, to me the spirit of Jay is largely about you know who's willing to step in the arena and go toe to toe with also evil. it's Father Amor. And, Father of Mort and do it in style. Yeah. So then I got thinking. Oh, wait a okay. minute. The Jay like of it. the devil and Father of Mort is Father of Mort. He literally thumbs his nose at the devil. And he's way. <laughs> he has way more uh, liveliness and style than William Friedkin. <laughs> I love this. I like. I have, dude. I thought about Father of Mort too. I'm glad that we were all on sort of the same page in varying ways. I get it. I hate to say that because that was a documentary. I just kind of wrote it off. When I, when I was trying to figure out like who who's even eligible for this award, it just didn't make sense to me. But that's fucking brilliant, Chris. Yeah, Father and Mort. I mean, an exorcist, and you, you're not 100 percent sure if you can trust him. That's Jay. <laughs> I also fucking love this like motley crew that we have here. I'm just imagining Clear Rivers, L, and Father and Mort hanging out and. Talk about a movie I want to see. So we need to get the director of Death House to make a movie starring all of the Spirit of Jay award winners from the past three years. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, I would love that. All right. Well, that's uh, that's all our awards. I'm honestly extremely sad to say that's uh, that's all the business we had to do today. This is the part where we just really rush up and, and, and say bye like at the end of the Oscars where they're like best picture okay well, like, great. Yeah. First thing yeah, we, need, we need some play out music <laughs> to like <laughs> then, it's the, then it's the nightly news immediately <laughs> well before we go I will uh, take the opportunity to remind you as always to visit our website at everyhorrormovieonnetflix.com hit the merch store link there and buy uh, t-shirts or other you know various goods and sundries bearing our art 
Uh, you can also see the list of all the movies we've ever reviewed there and the rankings that we gave them. Uh, follow us on social media at Amoncast, E-H-M-O-N-Cast, and review us or subscribe to us on your podcast provider of choice. We uh, you know, love to see the feedback. We love to see the subscriptions, and it helps people find the show. But before we wind things down this year, you know, I just want to thank everyone for listening to uh, the show. It means a lot to us. It's honestly very surreal that we've been doing this for three plus years now and that you know some of you are out there listening to it and enjoying it is a little mind-blowing and certainly gratifying and we appreciate it and thanks to you guys for another year of uh of doing this shit talking about movies it's been a delight and has certainly helped me get through this whole covid bullshit and if if just one of you can come forward and dm us and explain why our dabe for the possession cursed toilet video is so popular please please reach out (laughs) we haven't (laughs) talked about this i don't think i I don't think we've talked about this on the show we have but we we, have no there's not a reason to not revisit it i mean talk about horror discovery of the year (laughs) so we we talked about dabe the possession and and the scene where uh farouk pulls the haunted items out from underneath the toilet and we clipped that and put it on our facebook page to be like look at this crazy scene and it has blown up with people in how many people are angry they're sad they're happy they're laughing they're crying and they, they they say take this down. People have Someone said we says, should be jailed. For you this should video. be in jail for this. That's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> How many views does this shit have? I'm looking at. We up get right we now. get a couple of likes like every two days on this thing. It's crazy. It has legs. When did we, when did we even review that? I mean, it was not this year. Not this year. No. It has a hundred and fifty seven thousand views. What the Holy fuck? Holy shit. For for comparison, the full fucking movie seems to also be posted on Facebook by somebody in 2018. It has 218,000 views. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I think, especially because of the found footage nature of that video, I think a lot of people have watched it and assumed that it is in some way real and, and don't realize that it's from a movie. I didn't want to say that, but I think you're right, Patrick. Like that's like I don't know. It's it's a little bit disconcerting to me that there, that there's anyone in this entire world that could just think of like cheesy found footage clip like that is real, and that like that actually believes in curses. But it's possible, and I guess probable with that many views and these extreme reactions we've had. Mm-hmm. They believe yeah. it. Someone like commented, they were like, "This happened to my aunt or something like that." Like, <laughs> like this actually happened in their wow. family. They'd say, "This is a disturbing clip. You should remove it." There's more crazy people who can learn from it. The cameraman should go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Like, like just just <laughs> insanity um uh, I, I mean god bless this movie must be terrifying to some people out there in the world yeah yeah uh, yeah i guess it depends on your beliefs i don't have any so i can't relate to that but um. <laughs> oh my god well uh yes i gave a i gave a very sweet tribute and i forgot that we had not only dabe four to talk about but also chris needs to tell us what we're watching for our next episode. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, Chris, 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 in, Chris, has do, no, Chris has no idea. He's like, Oh, I, I was. <laughs> I'm like, fuck, it's my turn. <laughs> oh shit. I'm going to spin the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> Keep in mind, no. Chris, this is our first episode of a new year, 2021. Yeah. I feel like this is really going to set the pace for the all of 2021. I, it's either going to be a repeat of 2020 yeah, or last year be... you selected the haunting of Molly Hartley. So, like, <laughs> start, us, start us off on something that we won't both consider for our worst Amon film of 2021. All right, guys, you got this one? might be a this might be a controversial pick. Oh boy! But you know, we we've been talking about 2020, and we were talking about how you know we've been forced onto uh, recording our show on Zoom. Uh, I think we're gonna you know say goodbye, hopefully, to this period of our lives with unfriended oh my god 
You and uh, I saw this in the theater at a critic screening, if I Pat, remember correctly. Yep, we did. And and I said, good for them. And Patrick was like, ah. Wait, good for who? Like the filmmakers? Good, yeah. Good for everybody. Who, oh, who, yeah. I was I was definitely like, ah. I'm looking forward to seeing how I respond to it a second time around. There's just a complete poker face on Steven's face. Well, I've never seen it. I know Chris, it's become kind of a meme with you, Chris, over time. <laughs> True. But I feel like I read something recently where I, where it's like now kind of considered to be kind of a recent classic. Well, everyone went crazy for that host movie that came out this uh, year on Shudder. Sure, which that was bullshit. Which that, is basically the movie. same concept. That movie sucked. And you know what? Whether you love or you hate Unfriended, it has the best movie poster of all time. The movie poster for Unfriended, it's all black. There is a little search bar about a quarter of the way down the poster and someone's typing Laura Barr and the Google autocomplete is coming up with Laura Barnes suicide, Laura Barnes party photos, Laura Barnes passed out video, Laura Barnes boyfriend, Laura Barnes bullied, and then Laura Barnes possession. possession. <laughs> and then at <laughs> the end it says right unfriended. <laughs> that is i mean that's that 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 that, it's it's like they were tailoring an ad campaign to you chris i was just i know we were interrupting each other patrick tried to react to that but like that is chris dog food if i've ever seen (laughs) yes like generic midwestern girl name and like the implication of further high school-esque shenanigans and and also just the, the format uh, it, it reminds me of like in uh in the uh, sinister circle when she's looking at her chart and it, like she almost prescribes half a milligram of moloch or <laughs> 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 which i famously missed that that kind of yeah. uh bait and switch there but yeah. great yeah. moment regardless I'm, right, I, yeah. I'm i'm curious to see this movie again i remember very little about it I remember admiring at least the concept, the ambition of the concept, and I'm curious to see how it sits with me this time. You can't watch it on a TV, though. You got to go into bed with your laptop and watch it on the laptop screen. I will do that. You know yeah. what? I'm I'm actually committing to do doing that. Wait, wait. Uh, so I'm I'm going to plead ignorance. What is the format of this? Is it all like FaceTime and shit? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 all, it's not compl- It's not just Zoom or just FaceTime or I think if they use Skype, it's not just the screen of that window. It's kind of her whole computer screen. So it you basically can see okay. switching tabs. Um, yeah, predicted COVID. It, but yeah, it's it, it's a hundred percent screen capture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was a weird thing to see in a movie theater. Anyways, we'll talk about that on our next episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see which of us winds up being unfriended after that discussion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's only going to be two of us after that episode, so you know, uh, enjoy, cherish this final moment with all three of us because this is it. All right, that's in two weeks. We'll see you then. All right, happy New Year, everybody! Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Chris. It's been You're a good welcome. year. Thanks for helping me get through. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome, Patrick. You Anytime. We love you listeners. And uh, until we unfriend somebody, I'm Patrick. I'm Chris. I'm Steven. Happy New Year. <laughs>